We told you after the game, they were going to be talking about the tight. Two cans of beer a day, and that's your bleeding lot. And now we've got an extra one because they stopped the tots. So we'll put on our civvy clothes, find a proper shore. A sailor's just a sailor, just like he was before. Hey, everybody, real quick before we start the show, I wanted to give a reminder that Broadway Sports Media is hosting a watch party for the Titans vs. 49ers this Thursday night, December 23rd at 6.30 p.m. at Bold Patriot Brewery in Nashville, Tennessee, located at 3820 Charlotte Pike. Come out and join us. Uh, we'll have talks of football, have some laughs, uh, join the F-Words Pods guys. Uh, Lebowski and Zach will be there, myself and Jonathan, the host of the Coach's Corner, will be there. Some of the guys were sprinkled in and out uh, throughout the night. Come out and join us, have a good time as we watch, either in misery or joy, your Titans take on the 49ers. See you then. Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Find all of our great Great, not good. Great content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Jonathan, I know that we're we're kind of uh, got you calling in here again for the podcast. We haven't done a live show in a little bit to show plays and everything, To be, but to be honest with you, after watching the Steelers game, I probably would have just had 45 minutes of berating offensive linemen. Uh, but other than that, how are you doing, man? I think if we had shown Steelers plays, it actually just would have been some very basic tutorials on how to carry a football. <laughs> uh, probably would have been as good of a breakdown as as worthy of a breakdown as anything that uh, impacted that game. Yeah, we, for sure. And just to be clear for everyone, you know, we're not about making excuses. We're not trying to say that the fault shouldn't be on Todd Downing or fault shouldn't be on Ryan Tannehill or fault shouldn't be on the offensive line. I think the point is, is that it's a little bit of everything. And, and, and for, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad things happening to the Titans over the past couple of weeks. And I don't want to say a couple of weeks, actually, just over the stretch, because when they've played, when they've controlled the ball, like in the Jaguars game, I know that's the Jaguars. People are going to, I can already hear people now saying, well, it's, the, it's Jacksonville. Of course they can beat them. Yeah, but they also head on to the ball. I guarantee if they'd have fumbled that four times in that game, that might, that would have been a completely different game as well. You can't turn the ball over that many times, regardless of whatever play calls you're making. I mean, the Ferkser was a was a first down catch that would have been a, a 15 to 18 yard gain, I think, and then he just fumbles it. Uh, Racy McMass fumble, I I believe would have still been short and would have been fourth down. But you're punting it, you're flipping field position against a team that your defense is stymieing, then not letting long drives go by. So that's that's just a, a big game changer right there with those two things. And and when the Titans held on, hold on to the ball during this stretch, they win. That when they give it away, regardless interception, fumble, or whatever, what have you, it's tough to win. But it's not that's not a Titan specific thing. That's an NFL game specific thing. Yeah, look, I mean, we can say that we're not going to put blame on other people, but I'll just be clear: you don't turn the ball over four times, you win the football game. It's that simple. Despite there being other issues, they still win that game if they don't turn it over four times. Right. Hundred uh, percent, and then the running game again looked like it was it was it was working. Again, let's not expect Derrick Henry things out there because Derrick Henry's not out there. But it again was working. They were controlling the clock. If you tuned into halftime hits with Jonathan and I, you know, we both said, "Look, the, the time possession was like twenty one minutes to eight. They were dominating the game, and then unfortunately, they just started giving the ball away to the Steelers in the second half. And it was just you had this impending doom feeling. And it all started when when Julio Jones was was stated to not come back. And we said earlier in the game, even though Julio did not have much of an impact in the game, he did dictate some coverage and allowed some underneath things to be open quick for Tannehill. And he was able to get out of some of those things because he gets. I, I, I said it kind of earlier about we'd be I'd be berating offensive linemen, but just Q had a bad game, and he's had a bad couple. He's had some bad games here recently. He just it's it's one of those things where. 
he's just not moving his feet. He's dead at contact. He doesn't get much of a punch on things, and he ends up getting holding calls and, and or sacks. It's just – I don't know what Tannehill is supposed to do in those situations when he's giving he's given about two seconds to try to make a play, especially when the Titans are trying to scheme something open down the field, as this offense does. It's it's either some, they're scheming something short or they're trying to scheme a shot. And if you're trying to scheme a shot, you need time to protect. And this offensive line has not been giving it to Tannehill most of the season, but definitely not in that second half uh, versus the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, as we go back and we look at the stats here, I mean, you look at, this is where it's just extremely staggering. Just to talk about how one-sided that game truly was outside of turnovers. The Titans outgained them by 150 yards. They did lose uh, the passing game battle by 16, but they outrushed them 201 yards to 35. Not often are you going to outrush a team by 170 yards and lose a football game. And yet the Titans have managed to do it twice in the last four weeks, or the last four games, if you go back to the Patriots game. Same sort of scenario. Being able to run the football has not been the struggle here. It all comes back to fundamentals and holding on to the football. Yeah. I hate to say it to make it so simple, but that's what it is. It was it was the Texans game. It was the, it was the turnovers. I, we, you know, there were some interceptions – we talked about it back then. It was a little on the receivers, a little on Tannehill, but also Tannehill was trying to force some things to happen in that rain game and trying to make some things happen. But there was also, I believe, a fumbled punt by, by Chester Rogers in that game, correct? Where he bounced off his leg, if I remember you correctly. Correct. So, again, and they scored, they were able to score and go, and go up there, and, and, the, and the Titans lose 22-13 to 13 versus the Texans. That fumble was a huge part in that game. I know the interceptions didn't help, and, and they were also just equally as bad. But that fumble was a point you could, you could look at in that game and say, that, that felt like a big one there because they gave an easy seven to the Texans. Because the one thing this defense, over this stretch, this stretch now the Patriots game was 36-13, to 13, but three-quarters of that game, the Titans were, were, were holding on and defensively playing well, putting some short field situations, and the dam kind of broke late because of some of that stuff. Uh, but for the most part, the defense has been playing really well over the stretch. It's just so funny. I think that uh, Justin Graver or, or some other people with Broadway uh, pointed out or posted that if you married the 2020 Titans offense with the 2021 Titans defense, it may be the best team NFL team of all time. I'm joking a little bit, but that's how good the defense has been. And it sucks that they've had three losses attributed to a game they were a part of because what the offense keeps putting them in. And for the most, in the Steelers game, even though they were putting up short fields, they only gave up the one touchdown. So they're doing what, what the best you could expect from them and the, given the situations and the, that they're put in. Yeah, I mean, you can't have any complaints about the defense. I'm sorry. Um, could the defense have gotten some turnovers? Maybe. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's beggars can't be choosers, right? You're, <laughs> you're giving up 19 points enough. in a game where you've got four turnovers from your offense. Um, and so ultimately, it's, I still think the Titans are capable of beating anybody, but you are what the trends say you are. And this is a team that can't stop turning the ball over. Yeah. And and also on defense, real quick before we switch anything else, I mean, it's turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. they got to limit that. And when they do limit that, they're successful. But very interesting from the Titans, I wanted to see if you want to talk about this a little bit, is that the, the, the Titans were able to deploy on early downs essentially two inside linebackers that were, have been playing the same position, but they're going to put them out there at the same time when you would think that in most defenses, one or the other would play in Rashawn Evans and, and Cunningham. Uh, it worked really well. 
And, and how good was was Cunningham uh, for the Titans in his first game out? Yeah, I think that uh, what you saw there is kind of what you're going to see moving forward against teams that really want to run the ball. I think you're going to see a Cunningham-Evans kind of package. And knowing that the, what the Steelers do on offense where they're not going to attack down the field very much, it's very matchup heavy as far as who you're going to deploy. I think if you go against a more pass-heavy team, I think that's where you're going to see Evans come off the field. You're going to see Cunningham and maybe if David Long ever gets back, a Jayon Brown, those kind of guys will be kind of platooning in there. But it's really going to be, I don't think that that is your starters every single week. I think it's just going to be based on the matchup. But Cunningham played really well, um, all things considered. Yeah, Cunningham played well. Evans played well. Evans continues to play well since the news of Cunningham being signed from the Titans come out. If that was extra motivation, or if maybe he's just healthiest that he's been in a while. Uh, Evans continues to play well. Um, the secondary continues to play well. Fulton, I think, had another good game. Uh, Buster Screen, man, I don't think that you can hamper or you can you can really put into words what he has been over his what was expected for him. He has played really well, and he got some penalties called on him. And uh, during the game, as far as DPI, but on a couple of those, on a couple, like I, I'm watching him going, I, I don't know what you expect him to do or how he could have played that much better in that situation. Cause he, he seemed to be in perfect uh, position in coverage, lockstep with the receiver that he was covering. And this is the kind of play that when you, when you have like Vrabel keeps touting or the, the Titans keep touting this next man up mentality and, and Buster Screen has really come in and embodied that and played well in, in my opinion. But what have you seen in coverage from, from that group in the game? Yeah, I mean, overall, the, the coverage unit is playing really well. I think Buster Screen, uh, to get that kind of performance from a guy that was on the streets just a couple of weeks ago um, is really admirable. And I'll say this, look, he is not fundamentally as sound as someone like a Jackrabbit Jenkins. However, We've seen over the year, the thing that will get Jack Rabbit in trouble is that loss of athleticism at his age. That's where Screen is able to help. He's a guy that ran in the four threes coming out of UT chat. Um, so he does provide some of that capability where Jenkins is just not that guy anymore. So you do actually gain something there. I will be interested in who actually is the starter as Jenkins gets healthy just because of the performance you've been seeing. Yeah, and, and and I think our point there is is that having Jack Rabbit back would give you more options for sure. But the the point is is that the problems aren't on defense. I I, I don't you know, and I, luckily I don't see a whole lot of fire the defensive coordinator anymore or fire the defense. It's clearly not the problem. The offensive got to get their crap together, uh, and, and in a hurry too. And that's the thing too is that you look forward to what's out this next game and what's in as we transition into that subject. But. Uh, the offensive line in this last game for the Steelers, there was one play in particular where Lawan got beat, Q got beat, Brewer got beat, and um, let me think here, uh, McNichols got beat trying to pick up a blitz. I was trying to think of which running back of the of the seventeen they they deploy every week got just bowled over. And 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 as you know, you can you can scream at the top of your lungs that Tannehill sucks and he's not the guy and all this kind of stuff. But I, I'll agree with anybody that says that Tannehill is not a great quarterback. That's fine. He's not an elite quarterback. I don't think anyone that I know of that has a brain has ever tried to argue that he's an elite or he's among the elites. But he's good enough in situations 
to win ball games, and he's a capable enough quarterback to take a team to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, when you combine everything that's going on, that when he is making plays in these passes and the, and the receivers are fumbling it, when he's when he's botching or or there's a, a snap miscommunication between him and the center, when he's trying to force the ball and receivers are running the wrong routes, what have you, interceptions, all these turnovers are tough to operate alone. And then you look the fact the stats that uh, Fords Pod put out this last week about how Tannehill doesn't have a whole lot of time to throw. He's got people in his face all the time. The Titans are an offense that like to try to develop their shots with play action, but then they're not calling play action. But do you want to call the play action to have him sit back there and take more shots, especially with the injury luck your team has had. I get it. I get the emotion of being gun shy in those situations. And it's just not a whole lot of confidence that I can see that tells me that the offensive line is going to hold up to try to continue to take shots down the field, unless you're just doing a three-step and throw it up and pray one of your guys runs over, runs under it, which, I mean, that works for the Colts with the DPIs all the time, but I'm not sure that I want to live and die by that offense. I mean, he finishes with a QBR of 20.8, so it's not a great day. I'm not trying to say he did. But there's just a lot going on that's contributing to this crappy offense. It's not just Tannehill. It, the offensive line is playing a big part in it, too. Having Henry not back there is obviously playing a part. And then the fact that you were having some success in the first half when you had one of your big main targets that's going to gonna garner some attention or demand some attention, rather, from the defense. And when, he go, when Julio goes out to a hamstring, you could see a difference in the game almost immediately, whether it was how the defense played, the confidence that the Titans had in their own offense, whatever it may be. All that stuff going forward is not going to do well in the playoffs. Now, luckily, some of these guys are c- going to come back. The problem is this offensive line that has been bad is pretty much the starters for the most part or has been till the Steelers game that you're going to get. So it's, it's kind of frustrating to see that they're still having the major problems that they are. I mean, look, you got T.J. Watt going against a replacement-level uh, right tackle and replacement level is maybe at best. This is a team that you're seeing the impact that has invested a first round pick and a second round pick to fix the right tackle position in consecutive years. And neither one of those players is taking snaps on a bad offensive line. If you want something to really just kind of drive home the problems there with both the team makeup and the performance, it, you start right there. Uh, you're not getting much from a rookie class outside of Elijah Molden overall. Um, and then you go back, you're still feeling the impact of a gigantic whiff from Isaiah Wilson. And it's, it's one thing, in my opinion, to have players that aren't great. It's another thing to get zero snaps from those kinds of guys. That is a huge whiff that you can't get any meaningful snaps from a guy like Dylan Radin or a guy like Isaiah Wilson, who obviously he's not on the team anymore, but you kind of get what I'm saying is the, it's just a major whiff in how this team is built. And so you're, you're feeling the impact. I said all off season that in no way, shape or form is Vrabel and John Robinson on the hot seat, but they're closer than I think a lot of people think to finding themselves on there because there's just not a lot of depth on this team. And where seasons like this where they have seemingly gone all in they don't have the longevity they don't have the young guys that are able to step up and so could Dylan Radins become something sure maybe you don't want to call it a guy a bust in his rookie year absolutely but the fact he's not even getting snaps on a bad team doesn't bode well and so there's a lot of things that you're seeing come to fruition here but I will also bounce back and say if they're able to get healthy, this is a team that is talented enough to go on a run. 
can they hold, especially if you get somebody like Derrick Henry back, he changes the game. And I think this just kind of goes back to say there's been this ongoing debate between is it Derrick Henry, is it Ryan Tannehill? It's just the answer is yes. They are a symbiotic relationship that both of them work well with each other because they both do what the other one does well. And so that that's just that's really what it boils down to. If they can get that back, they can still go on a run. But you're seeing the major holes in this roster. Yeah, I'm done arguing about whether it's Tannehill or Henry from a couple of years ago. I, I, I mean, I, 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 it doesn't matter at this point. They, they need them both in there, and they need this offensive line to to play with any kind of semblance they did last year. When again, they were piecing things together, and again, it's not Taylor and Juan's fault. Taylor and Juan's played pretty decent this year. Whether he's played up to his contract or not, you know, that's a different discussion. But he's far from being the problem on this offensive line. I think that he had his first holding call all year in this last game, possibly. And he's going to be out with a back this week for the 49ers. But the, the problems have been Nate Davis has not been what Nate Davis was last year or what he was trending towards. And there could be some Previ- con- previous third round pick, Nate Davis. You yeah. want to call that out. Yeah, but again, that's your starting guard who wasn't supposed to be your starting guard. Now he is, uh, but he played well last year. He hasn't been near that. Ben Jones has been great. Ben Jones has been Ben Jones, you know. But and then Saffold, he's been okay when healthy. The problem is he's been dealing with a shoulder, a pinched nerve or something in his shoulder all year, and he just it, it's it's play to play with him whether he's going to be out or not. So it's just it's it's a whole lot of inconsistency, not only in just who's in there, but in play. Aaron Brewer's been fine, but you don't want that to be your starter. Uh, I think he can he can pick up a couple plays here and there, but he's got his own problems as well. He's a slight build and everything like that. I will say this about Nate Davis, though. Um, going back and watching in the the film a little bit in the Titans, what I've seen um, on on Twitter and everything, Nate Davis appears to have had have had his best game all year versus Steelers. I saw him picking up twists and other types of blitzes, wraparounds, delayed blitz. I've seen, I saw him pick up a lot more. He picked up more delayed blitzes and, and, and twists in this game than he has all season. So that's a positive thing for me to see. Maybe Nate Davis is finally waking up. Maybe he's finally getting healthy. His head's getting clear. Maybe he's finally getting used to playing next to Q, whatever the reason is. He, he's, he, he had his best game on uh, uh, this weekend versus the uh, Steelers. So maybe that's good going forward, but everybody else has got to figure it out. But unfortunately, you don't get time to have any kind of consistency because all the inactives have already come out for tomorrow night and Lawan and Saffold both out Brewer is clearly the uh, guard who's going to step in for Saffold much like he did last week and has all season. Um, it looks like lamb is going to be in for Lawan. How worried are you for Ryan Tannehill's life with lamb and Q as the tackles? I mean, I, you've got to be worried. Uh, can, can you just hold up long enough is what you're hoping. This is a team that has managed to run the football, and that's what you're going to have to base this around. Um, I don't think that you're going to be able to hold up against that 49ers D line uh, for very long. And so it, it's going to be much the plan you've been seeing. The question is, is whether or not they can hold on to the football. I know I hate to go back to there, but you have to think you take away those four turnovers. This is a team that's at least getting in the twenties on points. Um, and you go back to the Patriots game, same sort of thing. It really comes down to that. They, it, despite their struggles in the pass protection, they have managed to run block well enough to yes. be one of the better running teams over the past month. And so the, the possibilities are still there for them to move the football, for them to shorten the game, for them to control the game. But you can't do that if you continue to put the ball on the ground. And I hate to keep harping on it, but it really is so basic. 
when you talk about just the sheer volume of turnovers, the fact that they've only been blown out in one game is really a testament to how well they've played despite the injuries if you take away those turnovers. Are there problems with the offense? Absolutely. Am I worried about the offensive tackles? You betcha. But they can still run the football, and if you can do that, you can win games in this league. Yeah, and, and blowout is in quotations because for a large part of that game, it wasn't a blowout, but it, it I, I get your meaning. Uh, look, still first place in the South as well, so a lot of playing for the Titans to try to get right for this game and down the stretch. But versus 49ers, like you said, there's some concern there. However, A.J. Brown and Julio seem like they're both going to be able to give it a go. So that's two major weapons that Tannehill's going to have. It just kind of sucks that you think that now he's not going to have the best offensive lineman possible that the Titans can turn out there for him to, to have that confidence. You kind of feel like if they can just find a way to spark something and just, just get to where, you know, I know, I know not having Derrick Henry sucks, but if they can get to a point to where that's all they're missing is Derrick Henry, this, this will be a different offense in my opinion, because just they're not having, they haven't just had to deal with just Derrick Henry. They've had to deal with AJ Julio being out at the same time uh, over the, the the stretch of November and into December. They've had to deal with all season no tight end uh, tight ends being out. I don't mean anybody's out; just the tight end position has largely sucked. Uh, Ferks are uh, having his chance this year really hadn't done much, so obviously that's a problem too. And in an offense that really like to feature those slot guys and those the 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 tight end to have it in big moments, and that just hasn't been there for Tannehill. Uh, so it's positive to get those weapons back on the outside. Uh, and let's not forget, like I, I, I have to always wonder also with how he was coming on, what Marcus Johnson would have been able to do during the stretch as well. So it's just, the, there's not been a lot there for them, but he's getting two major parts back for that at the same time in Julio and AJ, whether they both make it out of the game is yet to be seen what kind of a pitch count they'll be on. Uh, we said it a couple weeks ago that you shouldn't expect a full game out of Julio. Unfortunately, we were right this last week. Are you expecting, uh, Jonathan, are you expecting kind of the same, even if AJ and Julio can go, that they'll be on some sort of a uh, snap count? Yeah, I would imagine. Um, I, I Look, I, because of the offensive line, I'm not sure how big of an impact that they can really have on the game. I can tell you that just from dictating coverages, if you go back to the Steelers game, the Steelers were very much bracketing Julio. They still respected his ability. Um, so that is still there. Um, now, how does that impact guys like uh, – you know, Michael Pruitt. I'm not going to say the other one. I mean, you got Jeff Swain, but I will not put respect on the way that that other one has been playing. Um, <laughs> and so there are impacts on the other players on the field. So when you look at a, a Westbrook Akeen, that's another one that, that does benefit from having those guys on the field. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if both are on very much on a snap count. You're going to control it. Because, look, you're, you're making the playoffs. Uh, you know that even if you end up having to travel, you're making the playoffs. And so you got to make sure that those guys are as healthy as possible. Cause if anything we've seen in the AFC, anybody can beat anybody, regardless of whether you're hosting a game, whether you get a buy, anybody can beat anybody. And so you got to make sure that you're controlling their uh, reps to make sure they're as fresh as possible and as healthy as possible going into the playoffs. Healthy, uh, we've we've been harping that for a few weeks. So so can we add fumbles to our harping? Fumbles, uh, limit the fumbles, limit the takeaways or the the giveaway. Excuse me, increase the takeaways, and health. Got to get healthy. So limiting that snap count would go a long way to that. And I can already see that the, now a big third down in the game, and neither AJ or Julio are on the field. I can see the complaints now. 
But unfortunately, if they're on a if they're on a pitch count, uh, I say pitch count, but you know what I mean, a snap count, they it may just fall to the point where they're not out there. Hope that they're smarter about that, that they're able to 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 limit the times when they're both off the field at the same time, kind of a thing. But I, who knows how the game flow is going to go? Um, but the Niners do present a formidable opponent, even if they were healthy. I would still be, you know, very worried of this game. The the the. San Francisco 49ers have been averaging fifth against the run over the past few weeks in the NFL, averaging 142 yards per game. Uh, the Titans, of course, I think, are leading the league in that same amount about yards given up on defense, so it's going to be a good matchup there to watch. But they do have some weapons on offense that you have to, to watch out for for the 49ers. Uh, we always talk about how you want to take away the main focus for an offense as a defense uh, skill point. If you're the Titans coaches, are you looking more to take away, like, say, Kittle – the wide receivers, the running game, like what would be your main focus here for the Titans? Yeah, I think it's Kittle. I mean, you're gonna, you're, they're going to be missing Elijah Mitchell. I, I'm really – this is a team that's very disciplined against other diverse run games. Um, now, not all of the run games are exactly like what Shanahan is going to run, but I do think that they're going to match up pretty well against the run game. Um, so really it's going to be that what do they do against Kittle? I think when you look at how they played a uh, or deployed a guy like Dane Crookshank, out against the Chiefs, I think you're going to, whether or not it's Crookshank or not, that's kind of the model that you're going to see against him. Uh, I do think that Kittle is much more of a psychopath slash physical mm-hmm. than, uh, than Kelsey was against the Chiefs. So, but I do think you got to disrupt him. You got to think that you're going to be able to get some sort of pressure on the quarterback. Can you disrupt him long enough? to actually get Garoppolo down. Um, so I do think that's going to be a very similar game plan. I don't expect the Niners to put up a ton of points. I think it's going to be very similar to the games you've seen. I think the defense is going to perform very well because of the matchups there. You're probably going to get another uh, deployment of Evans and Cunningham because of the matchup. Um, and I'll be interested to see it with what they do uh, against Kittle because I really think that's going to be the determining factor of how, how many points the defense gives up in this game. Yeah, I mean, obviously they've got some talented receivers as well. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is active. Uh, I believe Debo Samuel, unless there's been some news I missed, is active also uh, for them. So that that's two receivers that have uh, uh, Debo's or Debo's already over a thousand yards, uh, I believe, receiving for the year. So you got to kind of uh, keep that in the back of your mind, also. Uh, Debo Samuel is also little known fact, <laughs> not little known, but just interesting fact. He's also the number two leading rusher on the team. So with Elijah uh, Mitchell being out, that's obviously, you know, probably falls to Trey Sermon, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., those kinds of things. They've had a little bit of injury, um, you know, non uh, little injury, unfortunate luck there too uh, for that team. But Ayuk, Samuel, Kittle, they do have some things there. They do get their fullback involved in the passing game a little bit. Uh, has 31 targets on the year for 242 yards. So um, so there's a lot there that, that they could go to. So this is an offense that is – I don't want to call them balance, but yes, focus on taking out Kittle and then kind of let everything else let there, but you can't, you've got to get to Garoppolo and let him, he's kind of, he's not, not the Ben big Ben levels of not unmobile, but he's not like a world-class sprinter either. Uh, you just have to make sure you keep him in the pocket, keep the pressure on him, take Kittle out of the game. And I think this defense does, does what they, they do against the rushing attack and it's going to be I agree with you low scoring game on offense though against this defense what scares the absolute crap out of me is the 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 pass rushing ability for the Niners and I personally would love to see them not put a freaking tight end on Bosa by himself at any point in time and if you are going to chip 
with the tight end or running back to actually do what a chip is supposed to do chip and then get out into the route so that the tackle doesn't get blown by because you're still blocking a guy and widening him out a lot wider than your tackle can get to him. So hopefully the Titans can employ some of that, deploy some of that strategy to keep these edges and the, the pass rush ability at bay for the Niners. Cause if they can with the weapons that the, the Titans have coming back and getting healthy, you got to think that gives them a little bit of chance because they've been running the ball. Well, and I expect the Titans to run the ball well again, the way that they've been doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I, the, the Bosa matchup, you know, you're coming off a week against uh, T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt, obviously, probably the best edge rusher. Bosa's not far behind him. Nope. Um, and maybe actually above him in just pure skill, or, or sorry, pure talent. Um, so there, there's going to be things that uh, that Bosa actually does better than Watt, is all I mean. And so coming off what you saw against a banged-up Watt uh, doesn't bode well. So I do think if you can run the ball with success, though, and try and tire them out, um, I think that's that's obviously going to be your recipe for success. If you're having to sit back there in a in a drop back pass game, you're probably shutting it down. Yeah, and you definitely want to don't want to give guys like Arden Key, uh, Armstead, or D Ford a, a chance to try to contribute as well. So yes, you do want to focus on Bosa and not letting him beat you, but there are other guys that can they can rush the passer as well. So you don't want to be on those games where you focus everything on Bosa, but then Arden Key is able to get close to ten sacks on the year because he got three or four sacks in one game versus the Titans because Lamb or whoever just you know completely craps the bed on the other side. So well, I mean, and ultimately here's the thing: you can scheme to take away one guy, I mean, but at some point, some guys there on the front line have to actually win their battles. They yes. got to win their matchups because you can only you can only scheme away so many guys. And because if none of them can hold up, if Lamb can't give you some meaningful snaps, you're again. I hate to say it, you're in for a world of hurt. And you better hope that the Niners have a day like the Titans have been having, where they're turning the ball over quite a bit. Yeah, so a lot of things. It's not one of those where I think everything has to go right for the Titans to win the game because I still think the Titans are overall can be the more talented team in certain situations. But given what they're putting out there, they're not the more talented team. So uh, it's just difficult for me to say, you know, of course, I don't think the Titans are going to win at all. So that means the Titans are going to win, right? Such is life uh, with this Titans team. Yeah, so I, I really don't know. I think I think it's going to be a. It's. I'm glad it's a Thursday night game. We're going to have a. Help me out with this. We're going to have a watch party for anyone that's here local in Nashville, wants to come hang out with us. Um, I should have had this pulled up beforehand, and I'm a terrible company man. But you being the better company man, I hope you have it there in front of you, and you can tell people exactly where the bar is and exactly when to meet us. Yeah, it's Bold Patriot. Make sure you come out, um, whether or not you stay the whole time. If you just want to come hang out before the game, if you're going to the game, love to have you out there. Uh, but, yeah, we'll have uh, most of the F-Words crew, myself and Ryan, will be out there. So make sure you drop by. We're not going to try and sell you anything. Uh, it's literally just there to hang out. I appreciate all the support we've gotten over the last year or so since we've launched the site. So we'd love to see everybody kind of come out there and hang out. Um, but yeah, that would be it. And make sure you cut this and put it at the beginning of the show and not just the loyal listeners that have made it to the end. <laughs> I will, I will put a reminder at the start of the show, go back and record something with uh, the bold Patriot 
as the headline to to come out and hang out with us and just come out and just and, and if you want to just complain about the uh, Titans or yell, you know, please come out and, and do it. I mean, it's, it's therapeutic to get this off your chest. I mean, we may call you an idiot for your take. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, maybe maybe somebody in the room will call you an idiot for your take, but it's therapeutic to get the, these feelings out. And and who knows? We get together to watch the game and Titans do what they've done in the past, where they win when they're not supposed to. We could all have a good time. Either way, we're going to have a good time out there regardless because we'll either drink enough to, to forget it or we'll uh, enjoy the Titans winning. So, <laughs> But final thing there, uh, Jonathan, anything else about the Niners? I mean, I, I think that's pretty clear that if the if the Titans can limit the, the giveaways, not turn the ball over and put the defense in some bad situations against a team like this because you think it was the, the – I think it would have been bad against the Jaguars to give them short fields to, for opportunities or the Steelers like they did. It's really going to be bad against a team that actually can put up some points at times as well. So it, it's other than that, anything else that has to go for the Titans to, to, to definitely win this game? Or do you think it's just it, limit the turnovers and they'll win? Well, I don't, I don't think it's a guaranteed win if they limit the turnovers, but I, I can tell you it's a guaranteed loss if they don't. Fair enough. All right. And I wish that was the joke of the week, but in, just in case you have one, Jonathan, what's your joke I'm of sorry, the week? What? <laughs> what? You heard me. No, what? You're going to make me cut all this? What? Sorry, I just got you. Uh, my, my wife was talking to me earlier, and I got to tell you, being being told I was deaf was really hard to hear. I, I, I dislike you sometimes for making me laugh at these and, and catching me so off guard. And then, again, we don't rehearse this beforehand, so hopefully everyone out there enjoyed that as well. In closing, this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partnered with 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all of our other podcast articles and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Check out this show at Coaches on Broad. Check out your hosts at JB on Broad and at Ryan on Broadway. But until next time, we out. See ya. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.